welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. us here at the Apple Valley campus to welcome everybody that's watching on video. They can hear you, but they can't see you. Come on. Welcome them. We are glad you're watching. We're glad that you're multi-site and that we're doing this. And I believe that God has just got a great word for us today as we talk about giving. We are going to talk about generosity. We're going to talk about tithing. We're going to talk about giving. And I absolutely love this topic. I don't shy away from talking about it, and I absolutely love it, and I can hear you already thinking. You're thinking, well, of course you do. That's how you get paid. All right, I know, I know, I know. But let me tell you this. Before I was a pastor, before I ever received a, an offering or anything, matter of fact, the first day that I ever got paid for being a pastor, I gave it all away because I was just like so not used to being paid to do this. I gave it all away. Then I realized if I give it all away, I'm going to die. So I didn't do that anymore, but I gave a portion of it away. And I gave a portion of it away, and I want to talk to you about that, giving a tithe and going over and above. And I've just learned to be a generous giver, to be excited about this, and I hope you are too, all right? I hope you're there. And I can tell you I've grown from uh, the obedience of tithing to going to the next level to being a generous giver. And I think I'm, I'm moving to another level, and I just feel like there might be an extravagant level of giving that God is calling me to, and uh, I'm excited for this. I'm not uh, afraid of it. I'm excited, and I've learned to say, God, I have so much. I want to bless you. I enjoy this. Um, The other day, I got a a check uh, from some outside ministry, and when I got that check, I I was so excited because the first 10%, I wrote a tithe check right away. First 10%. Then uh, the principle that Beck and I are doing right now is an additional 20%, so up to 30% of our income now, is going to the work of the Lord. So that extra 20% that was there, I was really excited. Uh, where are we going to give this? What are we going to do with this? Because uh, we've been blessed. What are we going to do? And so we figured out there's a project that's going on here at the church for the youth group. And we said, we want to give that to the to the youth group. We want to do that. And then I, I felt like that wasn't enough. And so I was like, well, let's add a little more onto that and give that. And I was so excited to do that. I got to tell you, it was a joy to do it. And then the next 15 or 20 or whatever percent went to the government, and that was not joyful. Okay, I'm just letting you know. That's how it went. But joy, there was obedience, and then there was joy, and then there was taxes, and then there was a little left over. And I was like, okay, but God, you've blessed me with so much. I'd rather be generous towards you and live on the leftover than hey, take it all for myself. And I just want you to get there. I want you to grow in your joy. I want you to understand what God has for you in the area of finances and what he wants to speak to us. Now, um, we don't shy away from this. And we talk about it kind of once a year in a series. And then we do little offering moments. But um, I will say this. I know this coming into this series, unless this is the new uh, River Valley Church, some people will quit the church over this series. I know that. I know it. It happens every year. Um, I get the letters. 
Um, I get the emails. Please don't do that, but I know some will. And they'll say, you know, we're mad at you. All you do is talk about money, and you just money, money, money. And every time we go there, it's money. And they get so mad, and they leave. And I used to just, you know, lose sleep over it and just be wrecked over it. And then I realized it's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. I realized it wasn't a money issue. The very people that were saying, we're not coming to church anymore, we're leaving that church, they really weren't giving that much anyways. And it wasn't like they were in poverty. They had a lot. Usually people that have a lot are the ones that kind of bow up at this one and they're like, well, we're going somewhere else. And it it bothered me not because they weren't going to give their money, but because their heart wasn't where I thought it was. Their heart wasn't where I thought it was. I thought their heart was responding to the love of Jesus and wanting to grow in this obedience and wanting to do this and wanting to look for ways to do this. And so it bothers me. It saddens me. Um, We don't chase anybody that leaves over this, but we don't shy away from it. We're going to tell you what we believe the Word of God has to say about this. And I, I believe so strongly that our giving and our heart, it doesn't lie. It doesn't lie. If we're not giving, if we're not being abundant givers, if we're not at least starting with that 10% Old Testament minimum and going up from there and being a generous person, I believe it doesn't lie. Because the Bible says where our, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And it, it, it just has proven time and time again to be the truth. And so it's a heart issue. Now, we're going to talk about it here at the church because I believe we do it well. Um, I'm okay laughing about money. I'm okay sharing some things and and doing that. And and I think we do it well, and we share the truth. So I'm good with that. I also think that um, this is going to be a breakthrough moment for our church. I really believe that. I really believe that this series is going to be a breakthrough. And I'm not just saying that because it's money, and I know the money will increase at the church. I believe there's a lot of people that need a spiritual breakthrough, and this is going to be the thing that's going to push them through to the spiritual breakthrough that they need. I also believe that in our church, we're going to see a breakthrough because we have been one of the fastest growing churches in America three years in a row now. Top 100 fastest growing church in America. It's just going like this, and it's taking off. And if you know anything about church growth, if our growth has been going like this, our giving has been going like this. Because giving takes years to catch up. It just usually does. Especially when you have as many new people that just keep coming to the church and new campuses and they're trying to figure it out and they're trying to get involved. And so growth is going like this and giving is going like this. And if I could speak in business terms, okay, for just a moment, we are like an amazing company that has proven itself and we've done so well and the growth is going like this and we need a new infusion of capital. And when we get this new infusion of capital, I think we're going to go to another level. Like what we've seen so far has been great, but once we get that new infusion, you've seen this with companies where all of a sudden they go and they look for outside investors and they say, if we could get a new infusion of capital, we think this baby is primed to take off. I believe that. But here's the thing. There's no outside investors. There's only inside investors. Okay? People don't pull up to the church, just in case you're wondering. They don't pull up at any of our campuses and throw buckets of money at us, okay? And they don't say, hey, we love what God's doing at River Valley Church. We don't go there. We live miles away, and we want to bring money to you, okay? They don't do that, okay? Oh, in the history of the church, I'll be very honest, one guy did that. One guy. Never came to church here, and he would come into church, and he'd walk into the lobby as fast as he could. He'd slam an envelope down on the table. We didn't know who he was. He'd say, that's for the church, and then he'd run out of the church, and there was always three to four hundred dollars in the envelope. 
Well, he did this for about a year. And how many know that's like, uh, hallelujah. And one day we said, hey, is there anything we could pray for you? And he's like, no. And then he never came back. So new rule around River Valley Church. We never ask the name. Never, never, never. All right, so, that, so we've had one guy in the history of 15 years that doesn't go to our church that brought us cash, you know, every week. Every Friday did that, all right? But the rest of it is inside investors. We're the ones. God wants to raise up givers at River Valley Church. God wants to raise us up, and I believe we're taking off, and we're going to another level, and that's even another reason why I asked uh, Pastor Robert Morris to be a part of this. His church is just taken off, and is at another level. Uh, I will just say this, and I won't steal his thunder, but three times in his life, he has given away everything he owns. Everything. And I believe God has just blessed him to the point where he has a, a spot-on message. And I believe it for our church. We need a breakthrough. Our growth has gone up. Our giving has laid behind. And you know what? That's causing a gap. It's causing a ministry gap. It's causing a discipleship gap. There's more that we could do. There's more that I know we can do. And we've got to do this. Now, the sad fact is 20% of the people that attend River Valley Church give 80% of the money. It's that 80-20 rule. 20% give 80% of the money. And I just think how much we could close the gap if we had the breakthrough. If we had the breakthrough. So I'm praying for that in this series. And I believe we're going to do it not like twisting people's arms, but helping you to understand what the Word of God says. Now to help you relate to this, we have uh, our newest elder, Keith Peterson. He and his wife just did a little video to tell you about the journey that they went through. Like going from not knowing Jesus, coming to church, and where did they go on this financial journey. So I want you to see this and take a look so you can relate to the process and see how you can identify So before we became Christians, the, the whole idea of giving was really a battle. Uh, I had my idea of what we were supposed to do, and Kristen, of course, had her idea. Mm -hmm. And it really was friction. It was friction. And uh, in fact, funny story, when I wanted to be the, a giver and give $20 a week, and she wanted to give $15 a week, and we battled over that and battled over that, and finally settled on $17.50. And I can remember the anxiety of just that offering time at church so many years ago. Because in my mind, I thought we were going to go out for lunch after church. And when Keith put a $20 bill in the offering plate, that meant we couldn't do that. And so I would get offended and mad at you. It was just, there was a lot of disunity there. So after we were saved, we were led to go to a financial class at church. And in the second class, the instructor was talking about tithing. I asked him what I thought was a fair question. Is, what is, what is the tithe? And he said, one-tenth. And I said, like one-tenth, meaning like one out of ten? And he said, well, yeah, that's what one-tenth is. And I said, oh, I left confused. I left kind of angry. Um, and I can remember sitting at our kitchen table having what I would call a crisis of belief because now we knew what the Word of God said. Now we knew what He wanted us to do. And we were sitting talking to each other and said, this makes no sense. In fact, at the time, we had just had our first baby, and Christian was considering not working. We had all kinds of debt. We had to pay off school. We were not in good financial place. And the big advice from church was start to tithe. So we literally prayed and, and sought God and said, well, we believe you, God. This makes no sense. And, and it was a crisis of belief because it, 
It made no sense to give that kind of money to church. It seemed like a huge challenge for sure, but, um, but when you have decided that the Word of God is true, you know, it, it just seemed so apparent to us then this is what we have to do. I mean, it became an obedience issue then, really, and a yieldedness to demonstrating our love for God. I mean, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. And so it was one thing to talk about obeying God and loving God, but it's something else to just, you know, do it. So after we decided to start tithing, it became a real, um, it was almost an adventure. I mean, it was a challenge because he says, you know, to give the tenth and then see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. And not that we were doing it for the blessing, we were doing it because we had a revelation of what the Word says. But that piece of, wow, so we're going to tithe first and then live off of what we have. And there were days of, you know, a little bit of walking on the water and heading to the grocery or to Walmart for formula and diapers and getting down to the last $50 before another pay period would, or paycheck would come. And um, every time, never fail. The Lord, I don't know, we had heard once a preacher say that God has a money stretcher. And then if we dare to give him what is his, he'll somehow do his supernatural stretching of the money. Is that right? And he had, he did every time. It was just, it became fun. I mean, it, that sounds crazy, but it did. Some people will discount themselves from this because, well, They'll say, I don't make a certain amount, so of course I don't matter. This is about being faithful where you're at. So whether you're a teenager working at a store or whether you're a single mom or whatever, this is about being faithful where you're at to follow what God's leading is. And I really believe that once you prove yourself faithful in the little that you have, that God wants to bring more to you so you now can be trusted to have more. He's a God of multiplication, a God of expansion, and people will discount themselves from doing this because they say, well, I don't make like what they must make. That's not the point. The point is, I mean, there's a woman with two mites, right? The little tiny bit of money and she gave what she had. So in proportion, it was just this little itty bitty nothing. But to God, it was wonderful because her heart was in that giving. Look what God has done. I mean, that's, that's just really something because when we think back to that experience that we explained about arguing and complaining over a difference of five dollars and now it's so exciting to have the opportunity to give and really know that it is all his and Lord we will give whatever you say there's freedom in, in having that heart it's liberating mm -hmm. well I love that and I'm praying that God will help us get the freedom the generous heart, and that liberating spirit. And I want to talk about a principle of sowing and reaping, all right? Sowing and reaping. And I know that for a lot of people, it's kind of like sowing and reaping. It brings up images of people on TV. How many know what I'm talking about? It's like sowing and reaping, sow the seed, and, and it's the faith gift seed. But there's still a great principle here, so I don't want to throw it out, all right? I want us to listen to this. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm going to camp out there a little bit. I'll go to a couple other scriptures, but that's a good spot to go. We're going to hit a couple of, of verses. Now, I'm going to talk about sowing and reaping, and I understand it from the 
biblical perspective. I understand it from the perspective of, of different virtues in my life that I've sown good seed and I reap that. And I also understand it from a financial way. And I want to just confess, very honestly, I know very little about farming, okay? I'm just being really honest. Um, I once, this is a true confession, I once was preaching a sermon and I had a picture of some combines bringing in the harvest before the storm was there and I, and I just, I had no idea, I really didn't know they were called combines and I said, God wants us to get in our cotton gins and get the harvest. <laughs> so I just confess, all right. And my wife's in the front row going, combine, combine, combine. And I'm like, not tracking with her. And she's like, it's a combine. Okay, she was raised on a farm. All right, so anyways, so she knew I did. But the principle of sowing and reaping doesn't mean just farming, okay? It is a real principle that functions in the way that God has created this earth to function. Sowing and reaping is real, Okay, so we're going to look at a few things here in the Bible, and I want to uh, point out a few points in this passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There's a principle here that I want to let you know that what you keep is all you have, And unless you give it to God, he can't multiply it. If you hold it in your hand and you don't want to give it or you don't want to invest it, you don't want to take it. If you hold it in your hand, what you have is all you have. But when you give it, God can multiply it. And he's saying if you're going to do it like this, you're going to get back. If you're going to do like this, you're going to get back. Okay? And I believe this principle is true. I believe that I've seen it over and over again that when we get it out of our hands and into the hand of God, into the local church, I just believe God can multiply it. I know people ask me this, like, Pastor Rob, should I give at the end of the year? Should I give at the middle? Where should I give? And I'm like, as soon as you earn it, man, get it in as fast as you can. Because if you hold it in your hands, it's only yours. Once you give it and you give it over to God, then it's his. And when it's his, then he can multiply it. And how many know God does not bless good intentions? You're like, well, I mean to give it to the Lord. How many know it's not getting blessed there? Lord, I'll just hold it for a while. And then after a while, when you really bless it, then I'll give it. It's not working that way. You give it there, and then he multiplies it. And I believe when he multiplies it, he gives it to us, pressed down, shaken together, running. I believe that. And I know that passage is talking about forgiveness, but there's overwhelming support of this principle that he blesses it and, and, and mashes it down and gives you more and more and more. And so I wanted to illustrate this for you. I love illustrations in the giving series. And this is how I believe... Uh, God doesn't give. First of all, I'm going to tell you this. I don't believe God gives back to us uh, like a bag of chips. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know that a bag of chips is a bunch of air and then some chips, right? And it's like a bunch of air and the chips. And we get caught up like it's such a big bag and you open it up. And how many know like when you don't see, and this one's got a little peek-in window, but how many know when they're out the peek-in window, you open it up and it's like, boo. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And I don't believe God gives to you like this, like he's like, look at the shiny blessings on your life. I don't think he does that. I think God blesses you like this, and I've got something here. Uh, It's an icy cup. How many love ices? Yes. And I want to give you, I want to disciple you in icy making, all right? This is how I do an icy, and this is how I believe God blesses us when we give to him, and I believe he blesses back to us. When I get an icy, I go to the icy machine, 
and I don't have the top on it first, and I start to fill it up. I fill up that icy, and I get it to a certain point. Then you know what I do? I tap it on the counter a couple times. Huh? I tap it on the counter, and I get it to settle because there's a lot of air in ices, right? So then I fill it up some more, and then I tap it again. Tap it again. Then I put the lid on, and then I fill it up again and do some tapping some more because I've got a new perimeter here. Then I fill it up a little more, and it spills over the top. And then I involve myself in what I call the precip. And so I start to do that. I get a little precip. But see, by then, it's settled a little more. How many of you got to put just a little bit more? But don't touch the nozzle there. Don't do that. They don't want you to touch the nozzle. And so you go, and then you get it over the edge. And as it's coming over the edge, and it's all packed in, then you precip all the way to the register. How many just learned something, right? You know? That's how an icy is made, okay, to be, you know, you, that's how it's supposed to be consumed. I believe that's how God blesses us. I believe that. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, and I believe that. And they understood it not with ices, but they understood it in their culture. Yeah, you're like, they didn't have icy machines back then. They understood it in their culture with grain. And they understood that they would take a bag of grain, and the last bag of grain of the day was the way they were paid. Now, they've been carrying bags of grain all day, and how many know they just pack them to the top and then carry them, and then contents would settle, much like our chip bag. But when it came to their pay one, they would take it and press it down and stomp on it and put a funnel in it and poke their finger and just get as much as they could till it was flowing over, and then they'd say, I've got my bag. This is my pay. And so that's the principle there, that when you sow and you will reap, God is going to press it down, multiply it. God talks about being generous, and there are people that have much, and they give, and God gives them even more. And then God talks about, in Proverbs, people that have much, and they hold on it, and they come to poverty, even the while, while they're holding on and hoarding everything they have. There's a principle to give here. There's a principle to give and say, God, I will do this. Now in Galatians 6, uh, skipping out of our 2 Corinthians passage, just going over there. I believe you reap what you sow. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap that. If you uh, sow to the spirit, you're going to reap the spirit. I believe that. It's the law of reproduction. It reproduces after its own kind. That's what Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And there's a principle. In Genesis, it's there as well. It says everything will reproduce after its own kind. After its own kind. If you plant a corn seed, what is going to grow from the corn seed? Corn. It's not a trick question. And everybody at our Faribault campus got that one right. All right, good job. And uh, it's good. It's good. All right? If you plant cucumbers, what do you get? Not pickles. You don't get, you get cucumbers, right? I mean, it reproduces after its own. Humans, we reproduce from the human seed. We reproduce. And some people have that terrible nightmare like, we were pregnant and I had a dream that we were going to have a kitten. Not going to happen. It's not going to (laughs) happen. You're going to reproduce after the seed, okay? That's what's going to happen. And, and when you do this, it's just a law that it happens. And now here's the thing. It's going to take time to bring in the harvest. A lot of us get impatient. Lord, I put in one check and I'm ready today. Now sometimes that happens. How many have heard the stories like that? They're like, I couldn't believe it. I was struggling over the tithe. I was struggling over the tithe. And I finally wrote the tithe check out. And I went to work the next day and boom, I got a raise. And they told me that they were holding the raise for two years. And they don't know why they didn't give me the raise. But they gave me the raise with back pay. They've been holding. I mean, that actually happened in our church. 
Now, but sometimes you start sowing and it takes two weeks, two months, two years, two decades. It just happened. Different harvests take longer time. All right, now I'm going to tell you this, and this is just a thought to ponder. Your, your harvest, your reaping, is determined in the sowing. It's determined in the sowing. That's what, if you sow just sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. You can't sow sparingly and hope that you're going to reap abundantly. I mean, a farmer doesn't say, you know, like mid-July, like, oh, you know, I'm really thinking it's big. He thinks, no, it was back what he did in the spring. It's back what he did there, and he's only observing and managing what he planted way back there, and he knows the harvest is coming in the fall. He knows that. And so you, it's determined by what you plant over there, and we've got to do that. And it's got to be systematic. It's got to be regular. I believe that. Some people say, you know, well, I tried tithing for one day. And I didn't get that raise the next morning. I'm done. I'm done. I believe we do it regular, systematic. We do it. It's, it's, we're sowing that. We're saying, God, I'll be obedient for this. I will be obedient for this. I will do this. And let me get to this, which is back to our 2 Corinthians passage. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I believe our heart matters. I believe our heart matters. And so we give uh, just out of a loving heart. We give saying, God, I thank you for all that you've done in my life. And I'm giving, I'm doing this uh, not because I'm forced to, but I'm doing this because I love you and I understand and my heart is right. And when I heard the truth about this, when I was challenged by this, I looked to see if there was more I could do above what was shared, not is there what I can do less. And so some of us come to giving and our heart isn't right. And we have this attitude. It's a duty. It's a do. And how many know when it's a duty to give and it's a do, you're going to start thinking about giving like you do your taxes. Is there a deduction for that, Lord? Like I volunteered in nursery. Is that worth like minus 200 this month? Lord, I, I, I did a kind thing. I let somebody walk across the street one day. Lord, I think that's minus 10. You know, and we start thinking because it's a duty and you don't want to do it. And how many know when you go to do it, it's just like paying your taxes. And I've rarely seen anybody run to the office like, yippee, April 15th. You know, I've never seen that. But I've seen people get excited because their heart is right about giving to the Lord. But if you're giving out of duty, it's wrong. There's another way that people give and our heart isn't right with this. We say, I give because it makes me feel good and I only do it because it makes me feel good. And so I like to only give to causes that make me feel good. And it makes me feel so good to give it to you and then watch you have your response. And then I'm like, ooh, I, I feel so good because I watched your response. And I was able to do that. And that's still wrong. It's not the right heart because you're doing it so you get the buzz instead of saying, hey, I want the kingdom to be effective in this and I'm going to do what needs to be done. And yeah, I'm going to feel good. It's going to feel good to give. And there's going to be moments where it's going to feel really great to give. But you don't do it strictly for that. The other day we were at the mall and back had a moment. She just said, God just told me I'm supposed to give that lady $100. And I was like, really? She's like, and she was so excited about this. Now you got to understand, my wife's an accountant. And all of a sudden to see this excitement of like, I need to find an ATM. We got to get $100. I got to give this lady $100. And she's all excited. And she was so excited to give this lady $100. And then we got there and the lady wasn't even there. But she said, or she couldn't get to the lady. So she said, could you give this to that lady? I just, I, I, she's supposed to get this. I need to give her this. And in there it said, God loves you. And he wants you to know he cares. God bless you. Anonymous. Now, we've seen this lady before at the shop. And we've never walked up her and said, we did it. 
we did it. But I can tell you what, the joy of watching my wife get so excited to be obedient to what God was saying and saying, I want to do it. I wasn't doing it so I get the buzz. I was doing it because God told me to, and I just wanted to be obedient with it. Man, that's a great thing. So don't do it just because you want the buzz out of it. Another thing is people want prestige. They want prestige. They want a plaque. Or they want their name there. And, and, you know, I thank God that there are hospitals and gymnasiums and all that named after all sorts of people. But you'll notice at River Valley Church, nothing is named after a single person, okay? Nothing's been named. We haven't even had the temptation of that. A friend of mine was wrestling over it. And he's like, I got this guy. He said he'd donate these millions of dollars to build the gym. And if I build the gym, I have to name it after his kid. And then you're going to do it so it's like our church. But then the gym's going to be his kid's name. What do you think about that? I'm like, wow, dude how much is the gym? You know, I mean, I, was, I didn't even have to be tempted by it. And he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He's like, no, we don't want to put a plaque or a name on there. Okay? Some of us do it just so we can be seen. And the Bible says that's not the right heart. That's not the right heart. Now, people are giving lots of money that way, but it's not the right heart. The way we should be giving is because we're compelled by love. We're compelled by love. We are saying, Jesus, I love you. I get it. I get it, Lord. Heaven, hell, real. I get it. I'm here on this earth on mission with you to make a difference for eternity. I get it. What do you want me to do with the money, Lord? What do you want me to do with everything that's in my hands? What do you want me to do? And he's saying, I want you to be a good steward. And I want you to know that I love you. And I want you to respond to the love. And you're like, I want to do that. I want to give. It's not a duty. It's not just so I get the rush. It's not so I get a plaque or get honored. Lord, I want to do this. And I want to give to you. And I want to do this. And you're compelled by love. And you can't help but want to give. And you can't help but get excited about what God's doing through your giving. And you're ready to give more. And you're ready to give more. That's the right heart that God wants. And I believe this as well. I believe you cannot outgive God. And 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, here's our sowing and reaping thing, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. And so you just are wanting to give more and you, you can't outgive God. And a lot of people come to me and they say, okay, Pastor Rob, you talked about giving. So I got a question for you. Gross or net? Which one is it? Gross or net? And they're kind of like, which one is it? I'm like, well, do you see God as a, a taker or a giver? Do you see God as a taker or a giver? Because that's going to answer. Remember, it's all about your heart right now. It's all about your heart. Where do you want to be with this? Where do you want to be with this? Now, I've lived always, ever since I look at gross, gross, live that way. That's the way we do it. We do it on that. And people say, do you know how much, ta- I know how much taxes are. I got it. I got it. I realized that after I gave 30% of that check and then paid the taxes, there was a crumb. I got it. I figured it out. But I said, you know what? I'm going to do that. And it's not a pain. It's not a hassle. It's not a struggle. I'm like, let's do this. Let's change the world. I really believe in heaven and hell. I really believe eternity. I really believe we're making a difference. I believe that. And so if I'm going to believe that, I'm going for it. And I also believe I can't outgive God. Every time I do this, it just seems like this law of sowing and reaping happens in my life. It just happens. It happens and doors get opened and things happen and the things just keep going. And I just see God, praise God. And, and, and I'm like, all right, Lord, okay, here's where I'm at. Like if, if, I, if I make this much, I'm going to give you 40%. I, I, I just, I see him as a giving God and he gives way more than he takes. And so when we get down to the heart, do you see him as a taker or a giver? And I believe that we could say, I can't outgive God. Last thing I see from this passage in 2 Corinthians 9, 11, second half. 
It says, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What does that mean? It means people will thank God for your giving. People will thank God for your giving. Right now, I just want to very pastorally speak even to our Apple Valley campus and say the people at Faribault are gracious that you gave before that campus existed. And now there are almost 400 people there that are worshiping Jesus, that are saying thank you for having the vision and putting that startup capital in there and making it happen. Faribault, we want to see a good return on that. We want to see you catch the generous spirit there and grow in that to another level and saying we want to fuel a future church plant. Minatrista, I just did the annual uh, state of the campus meeting there. And I saw that Minatrista was all the people that were there. They were so gracious. And they were like, thank God for this. Thank God for this. And on the line this year, we put 137000 of capital improvements in there. We actually lost money on Minatrista, but it's come up to the point where it's breaking even. And it's, I said to them, that's awesome. We, we, we knew that. We didn't do it to, to say, we got you there and you, know, you owe us. It was like we did this and we started you to go to the next level. And they were like, we're ready to invest and go to the next place. We're excited about this. I love that. When I was at Savage the other day, somebody said to me at the Savage campus, they said, you know what? God has blessed us, and I think we are part of River Valley Church to be fuel for the greater vision, and I just want, and I'm just telling you, people are saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it starts here, and it goes to the next one, the next one, the next one, and it's going to keep growing. And I believe when we get to heaven, there are going to people, be people that say, thank you for giving. Thank you for giving. I believe God loves it when we do generous things with our offerings around here and our kingdom builders, our global projects, and our tithe, and we manage it well. And people are brought into the kingdom of God, and every person that's found faith in Jesus Christ says thank you, but somebody had to give to keep the lights on, to pay for the team, to let us go forward. And they're saying thank you, and you know what they don't do? They don't walk around here singing, praise be to Rob, praise be to Rob. You know what they do? They say praise be to God. Praise be to God. He's getting the glory for the things that we're doing financially, and I thank God for that. And when we give, he says, they're going to give thanks to God for that, and they're going to praise God. And I'm telling you what, marriages we've saved, teens that we've helped, single moms that have been helped, ministries that we've done, outreaches that we've done, a church that is bringing people into faith is bringing glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ, and we need a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough. And so I'm asking for that at all of our campuses and our whole church. Every one of us praying, God, what do I need to do? If you've not tithed, this is a breakthrough moment. There may be a crisis of faith in your kitchen, but this is something you need to do. We need to, there's more people to reach. There's more stuff that needs to be done. There's more campuses to go for. We all need to do it. Some of us are tithing. It's so easy for us. Does God say, go to the next level, go to the next level, go to the next level? What is he speaking to you? What is he speaking you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. I just want to see people get to heaven saying, Thank you for giving. Thank you for giving. Thank you for giving. Thank you for giving. I'm here because you did it. Thank you. Now it's time to put our, our, our fine intentions to action, and we're not passing the bucket again. We're not doing that again. But it's just you. Crisis of faith. In the kitchen, do you believe it? Are you going to do it? Are you going to follow through? Are you going to go? Are you going to go to another? Are you going to keep feeling what God's doing here? Man, this is our moment. Let's take it to another level, church. Let's go. Let's go and have a breakthrough financially so that the ministries can continue to just take off. 
So Lord, I pray right now that you would help us. I pray that you'd help us wherever we're at, have the breakthrough moment. Have the breakthrough moment. We'd be tithers. We'd bring that first 10% into the local church. We'd do that. And then from there, give more and more and more. Wherever our heart tells us to, wherever we feel drawn to for exciting things, we just try to position ourselves as a more generous person. And I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Help us to fund and fuel what's going on at this church, Lord, through those that are inside investors saying, God has changed my life. I understand this. I want to be part of this. So I pray your blessing upon the finances. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Can you stand with me all across this place?